going on everyone it's brett and before i introduce today's guest please go ahead and subscribe to the show btl has so much content that is coming soon for you that i do not want you guys to miss out on and the best way to find out about all of the upcoming launches with a lot of free content is going to be through these show episodes so please go ahead and subscribe and if you're enjoying the episodes and all of the incredible guests that have been coming on the show just in the past and also you will really love all the guests that are coming on in the near future. So please go ahead and also just leave a rating and a review for the show. I am truly passionate about bringing value to the show's growing audience. That's all of you guys. Every single episode that is released. So please go ahead and leave a five-star rating and a review. Those numbers are tied directly to the growth of the show and the level of value that I want to be sure I am helping and delivering to all of you guys is consistent every single week with the guests that come on, the content that they're providing in the BTL toolbox. So please go ahead, just subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. It is much appreciated. Extraordinary results, one domino at a time. In today's world, the speed of life tends to make it simple and easy for us to lose focus on what matters most. Far too often, we find ourselves looking for the easy answers, paths, and solutions rather than taking the additional step and time to truly identify what has to happen first in the process. But when we do, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. This episode's guest is a master at helping others understand exactly how to do just that. On this week's episode of BTL, I speak with Jeff Woods. Jeff is the co-founder and president of Productive and host of The One Thing podcast. With his firsthand experience of living The One Thing, Jeff brings in next-level training and knowledge on how to break down your personal and professional endeavors, which will lead to extraordinary results. Jeff and his team have graciously offered everyone the opportunity to participate in a life-changing experience for free by joining in on the 66-day challenge and making 2021 your best year yet. By joining, you will get much more than just the formation of a power habit, but by signing up before January 1st, You will also learn how to build a relationship with your goals, get monthly group coaching, and get access to foundational courses. All of it for free. That is free. F-R-E-E. For free. So click on the link in the show notes for details. Learn more about it. Sign up. Play all out. I'll be in there. I'm really excited about it. Looking forward to uh, seeing everybody else play all out in the 66-day challenge. Head over to www.theonething.com slash habits. That is T-H-E, the number one thing, T-H-I-N-G dot com slash habits. Enjoy the episode with Jeff Woods. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Brett Kelly, the host of the BTL Born Elite Podcast. I've got the man, the legend himself, Jeff Woods, who is with the One Thing Foundation. And Jeff, we were just chatting a minute ago, and I didn't tell you that the, the domino sequence is my background on my monitors, on my desktop, my laptop, my, my it's your shirt logo. I mean, it, it's on my phone. It is everywhere. That's if not my favorite book, it is one of my favorite, favorite books. So man, welcome. I really appreciate you being here. I'm looking forward to this. It's my pleasure, Brett. So give me just a quick, maybe two minute backstory for any, any of the listeners that aren't familiar with who you are and then how you got into it. I think it's a fascinating story of you being at this conference and that whole story there. So give us the rundown, man. Yeah. So hey, everybody, I'm Jeff Woods. I'm the co-founder and president of Productive, which is the training company behind The One Thing. And uh, literally Gary Keller, Jay Papazan, who co-authored The One Thing, and myself, we co-founded this company just about five years ago. And everything we do is about helping people better invest their time so they achieve extraordinary results. And prior to getting into business with Gary and Jay, I was in medical device sales. So I was a sales guy. And I, I woke up every day running through hospitals. 
I sold a device that actually saved lives. Uh, I did get to wear scrubs. So I thought that was an excuse to get my wife to call me McDreamy. <laughs> and she's, she's phenomenal at saying no, <laughs> but you know, Brett, I, I was at this point in my life where I think a lot of people have been, which is things are good and yet something's missing. And for me, I'm waking up, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I mean, people call me doctor and I don't have to correct them. It's fantastic. <laughs> yet I was lacking fulfillment. I had this feeling that I was meant for more and two things happened in my life that really set me on this course. First, a colleague of mine had a stroke when he was 35. Wow. And I remember at the time, my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County. We had just had our first child. My wife decided to become a stay-at-home mom. I remember standing in my kitchen wondering if what happened to my colleague had happened to me, what would happen to my family? And then the very next week, my company needed to make a change to our commission structure just to remain competitive in the marketplace. The result was... I lost 40% of my income overnight, Ooh. which for anybody who's had a big pay cut or a job loss, you understand what that feels like. And as the sole provider for the household, it really rocked me. And I remember that was when all of a sudden there was enough pain in my life that it, it forced me to start asking bigger questions and searching for, for those answers. And one happened when I read the Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend mm -hmm. the most time with. I remember making a list of my five. And when I looked at it, I went, wow, these are amazing friends. I always want them to be in my life. And that was the aha moment. I had five amazing friends. What I was missing was five amazing mentors, people who were already where I wanted to be, who could advise me on how to achieve my goals faster. You fast forward, it's our national sales meeting for my medical device company. I walk into the ballroom and on every chair was a copy of The One Thing. And then Jay Papazan walked out on stage, which he co-authored The One Thing with Gary Keller. And for the next hour, he just blew my mind talking about why The One Thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results and how Gary used these principles to turn KW from a small little company in Austin to number one in the world. When he finished speaking, he got a standing ovation. And when everybody else sat down, I was still standing. And it was one of the, you ever had one of those moments, Brett, where like your mind's telling you to do one thing, but your heart's pulling you in, the, in a uh, different yeah. direction. Yeah. yeah. My mind was like, Jeff, just sit down. But there was something in me that was like, no, man, you got to go run. And before you know it, I'm literally sprinting down the side of the ballroom and I intercept Jay and that began a relationship. What I was unaware of was that the one thing had already become one of the highest rated business books of all time. And that created a challenge because Gary's one thing was being chairman of Keller Williams. Right. Jay's one thing is writing books with Gary. And they, what I didn't know is that they had already been hunting for over a year for somebody whose one thing would be the one thing. That became what, my what was your what was before we talk about like what is the one thing what now knowing what you know what would you say at that time was your one thing oh that, that was super easy um because i was clear so there was a big one thing and a little one thing the big one thing is i needed to upgrade my five if i wanted to wake up one day as a business owner owning a business that made a massive impact in the world and delivered real security for my family, then I needed to be surrounded by people who owned big businesses that made big impact and delivered security for their family. That was like the result that I was chasing because I figured if I could get those core five to mentor and advise me, everything else would happen. Right. Ended up being the truth. And the lead domino, the one thing I could do that would make upgrading my five easier or unnecessary was in every conversation I had, I had to ask myself, where might this person need help right now? So like literally in my mind, Brett, I just wondered where might Brett need help right now? And if I just did that, if I just knocked that domino down, then I would be more likely to actually ask out of everything you're focusing on right now, where do you need help most right now? That's exactly what I said to Jay. And 
because I asked it, Jay answered, it got me right back up to knock down the next domino, which was to deliver on the value. And I did that over and over and over again until turns out they were looking to, to hire somebody. I love that, man. I, I, every time I hear you you on a podcast or explain, walk through the story, it just, I, I get so like so fired up just by hearing the story because it's, 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 it's very impactful. I mean, just hearing the, the transformation that it's had for you and how inspiring that is for others. It's incredible, man. Yeah. And it's such a simple concept, like think big for your life, but then go small and trust the dominoes will fall. That's it. People just don't trust the domino effect. They don't trust that if they do that little thing that on its own, it's effortless. It seems insignificant. Can I ask myself where might this person need help right now? Seem they can't connect that to the big result. Yet, when you show up in every conversation wondering about the person where they might need help, you start becoming the type of person who asks other person where they might need help. And when you start asking that, they tell you it sets you up to be the type of person who helps others get what they want first, which Zig Ziglar said, you can have everything you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And that's how I ended up in relationship with Jay. I literally asked him on four separate occasions, individual occasions, what are you focusing on right now? How might I be able to help you? And four times he responded. And never once did I ask for a damn thing in return. The first three times he answered, he said they were looking for more exposure. So I featured him on my podcast at the time. I got him booked on other people's podcasts. I wrote an article on entrepreneur.com. But the fourth time I asked, his answer changed. He didn't say we're looking for more exposure. He said we're looking for a CEO of a publishing company. And I thought, that's not me, but I know three people that are. And when we got on the phone so I could learn the, the, the job description so I could make the correct introduction, he didn't describe my, my network. He described me. So understanding that one effortless action can actually unleash massive reactions in your life is vital. Man, I'm, keep going. I'm fired up. No, the, <laughs> so you said, Jeff, you said... Most people, they don't trust that process with the domino effect and that it'll sequentially continue to, to propel and progress. And, you know, the domino 50%, you know, it's, it's size larger will continue to fall. Why do you think that is that people don't trust that process? They can't connect their actions to today with the results of the future. What do you mean by that? It's, it, if I told you, let's say um, health this is a big area for a lot of people where they're not doing as well as they could. Right. And if I said, let's imagine extraordinary physical health, you can visualize what that looks like in terms of how your body would look, the body fat, um, muscular stru structure, the, the way you'd be eating. And what if I said that a lead domino to make that happen was to turn the TV off by 9 p.m. every day? You would not be able to bridge that gap. You can, everybody just went, huh? You can't, <laughs> you can't draw that line. And it's called hyperbolic discounting. It's, it's the idea that if something's too far in the future, we don't value it. And they did a study where they, you know, if I offered you $100 today or $200 tomorrow, what would you do? Mm. What would you do? $200 today or $200 tomorrow? Uh, initially, I'm just thinking like, oh, $200. Okay, what if it's $100 today or $200 a year from now? $100 today. Interesting. Why? Just thinking. I mean, if if it's, a, you said a year, two years from now. A year from now. A year from now, $200. I, I could probably take $100 and I could probably duplicate it and then some by the time... A year comes around. This most people, by the way, would take the hundred dollars today, even though two hundred dollars a year from now is a hundred percent ROI. Which you go show me another place you can get a hundred percent ROI predictably. I'll give you my money, <laughs> and and we can. I'll I'll you can invest it for me. But it's that people value today more than the future. But here's let me keep, let me break that example down. Let's say you want to change your health have extraordinary health. Okay. Well, what's mm -hmm. one thing you can do to make that happen? I can exercise more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how would you know if you're successful? I'd be exercising five days a week. Okay, cool. So what's one thing you can do to accomplish that? 
I'd wake up earlier every day. Well, how would you know if you're successful? I'd be up by 5.30. They think that's the lead domino, by the way, waking up at 5.30, when the truth is their track record shows that there's no way they can do that. They've got to find the one thing they can do. It's got to be a lead domino, literally two inches that effortlessly with the flick of a finger would fall. So we keep going smaller. What's one thing you could do that would make waking up at 5.30 easier or unnecessary? Mm-hmm. Go to bed earlier. Well, how would you know if you're successful? I'd be in bed by 10 p.m. Well, what's one thing you can do to make that happen? I could turn the TV off by 9 p.m. So if you become the type of person who turns the TV off by 9 p.m. with the intention that you're going to get in bed by 10, are you more or less likely to be in bed by 10? More. And if you're in bed by 10 with the intention that you're going to wake up at 5.30, are you more or less likely to wake up at 5.30? More. And if you wake up at 5.30 with the intention of exercising, are you more or less likely to do something physical? More. And if you become the type of person who every day has a level of physical activity, are you more or less likely to transform your health? And if you exercise every day, it, does it spill over into the foods you eat? Does it spill over into how you manage stress? Does it spill over into enhancing your sleep routine? One thing can make everything else easier or unnecessary. Couldn't it, when is it too far? When have you gone too far with the lead domino? I mean, we just went back from, you know, working out more, waking up early, going to sleep early, turning the TV off. When is it too much? I mean, oh, I've got to stop working at five. Let's put it this way. Cortisol is just. Let's put it this way. That's not the problem. The problem is not people going too far. The the problem is people not going small enough. Mm. And here's why. If they made the mark of success getting up at 530, and it's not something they actually can do consistently, then they're just going to end up feeling like a failure. And deep down, we want to look good and we want to feel good. And we will not put ourselves in places where we force ourselves to look bad. So we quit and say, it doesn't work for me when the truth is they just didn't work for it. We all have more than one thing. It's one of the greatest misunderstandings of the book. We're not saying you only have one thing or that you only do one thing. That's ridiculous. Yet, we can all take a page from our childhood. Brett, did you ever line up dominoes when you were a kid? Yeah. How'd you, how'd you knock them all down? They had, they had to be standing first, Jeff. Okay. They had to be standing. But just, then, in, no, just in any, any random place or do they have to be oh, assembled to be, a certain way? Had to be assembled a certain way. The curvature, yeah. if I wanted it going, you know, down, yeah. a, a, down a book, it had to be, you know, it all had to be set up properly. Every one of us has lined up dominoes and we understood the best way to knock them down was not to stand them up randomly and knock one down each individual (laughs) one. We understood we needed to stand them up, line them up and whack away at the first one first. Cause if we Mm -hmm. did that correctly, everything else became easier or unnecessary. It's the same thing here. We have a spiritual life. We have our physical health. We have our personal life, our key relationships, our job, our business, our finances. You could have a one thing in every single one of those circles And the opportunity to recognize is that extraordinary success happens sequentially, not simultaneously. It's one thing at a time. So when you wake up, are you clear? What are you focusing on first? I know for me, meditation straight off the bat. It's it's for my spirituality. It's for my mind. When I get downstairs, I hit the couch. I meditate for 10 minutes. And when I get, when I've knocked that domino down, it gets me back up to what's the next thing I'm focusing on. It's my physical health. I get in the car and I drive to the gym. And when I get back from the gym, my one thing is my key relationships. It's my family. I'm being present with my kids. I'm helping them get out the door. Then my one thing is to get in to my workday. And I'll tell you the one thing I don't do when I open my computer. I do not check my email. Tell, tell me that why. Is just you let, that is just you checking everyone else's priorities mm-hmm. and following their agenda and not yours. I launch my day with clarity on what my priorities are and my planner and my calendar reflects them. Then I earn the right to check everybody else's priorities. Tell me about your, your morning process a little bit more. I mean, what, what is your journaling? Your, what, what is the building block of your day? 
how do you set that up so that you know with clarity i've got this i've got this i've got this and nothing is yeah. getting in the damn way of any of it yeah i'll preface by saying the world does not need a new way to set goals they need a way to have a relationship with them you married by chance yeah oh yeah what's your significant other's name her name is nina nina yep can you remember back to that point early on in the relationship when you saw real potential there? Yeah, I remember exactly. I remember the restaurant we went to, first date, all of it. So all imagine you're sitting at that restaurant. How ridiculous would it have been if you looked her in the eyes and said, Nina, gosh, there's something amazing about you. And I could really see us having an amazing life together. So here's what I propose. Let's get together in a year and see how it's going. <laughs> Absurd, yeah. oh, right? Insane. That's not yeah. what we did. No, no, she'd go the other way. Right. You went on dates, and when you realized there was something there, you started communicating in between dates. And between communications, you were thinking about them. And when things started to go well, you raised the bar for what was possible. You might have moved in. You got married. You might have had kids. And like all relationships, when there was conflict you start asking, what do I need to do differently so that we get back on track? Here's why I tell you this, Brett. You don't need a new way to set goals. You need a way to have a relationship with them. Now, here's why I prefaced your question with that. I have a model for having a relationship with my goals. It's called a 411. And a lot of people who, if you've been in the, the KW ecosystem, you've probably heard of A411. If you haven't, this is a tool that gives you clarity on your priorities. It is a framework for having a relationship with your goals. It stands for four weeks, one month, one year. It allows me to understand what specifically must I accomplish each of the four weeks that put me on track for my one month, that put me on track for my one year. It is a way of breaking a big annual goal down to a simple action I can take this week to absolutely know if I'm on track or not. Each Friday morning, I have a time block for planning. And when I do my planning time block, I look at my 411 for the past week. I look at my priorities and ask, how did I do? How do I feel about that? Based on that, what's one thing I can do differently this week? And then I ask the question, great. If these are my, based on, I said, these are my goals for the year. In order for that to happen, here's my goals for the month. In order for that to happen, what do I have to do this week to know that I'm on track? I identify those priorities and then I do something crazy. I open up my calendar and I block time for the things that matter. Get out of here. You yeah, actually- shocker. Let me tell you <laughs> what I don't do, which is what most people do. I do not open my digital calendar and then open my inbox. And if somebody asks for time, I just go. And if there is white space, I automatically say yes. I do not do that because when you do that, you treat everything like it matters equally. You end up spending your time instead of investing it. And you are busy all day long. And you look up at the end of the day and question if you got anything done. I look at my calendar like a blank slate. I get clarity on what my 20% big rocks are. The 20% priorities that drive 80% of my results. That's what's on my 411. And then I place the boulders in the stream first. So when the water hits it, what does the water do, Brett? Oh, it goes right around it. It goes right around it. Which means when I open my digital calendar, if there's stuff that's already scheduled, it has to interview to keep its spot. I don't treat it like it's set in stone because it's my priorities, not everyone else's. I'm going to say yes to the things that matter most to me and my goals first, and then I earn the right to acknowledge everybody else's priorities. Tell me a little bit about the habits around that. I know you, you just recently had a, a really incredible conversation with Gary Keller talking about habits. And I think that is something that is not discussed enough. Mm -hmm at all. There's a quote from FM, from FM Alexander that people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. And that's the title of this episode on the One Thing Podcast. It says, Gary Keller, decide your habits, decide your futures. When I asked Gary about the role habits have played in his life, he said, they are my life mm. and they're yours too. And for him, what he has realized is that 
the moment he sets big goals, it comes down to the habits he forms and the relationships that he forms that allow him to achieve that goal. Because based on your habits and your relationships, it informs how you behave. And the mistake is people set goals based on what they think is doable. So they set low goals and therefore they end up forming low habits that they eventually have to break. And Warren Buffett said it really well. The habits of our lives are like chains that are too loose to be noticed until they are too tight to be broken. And for anybody who has ever formed a bad habit, you understand it's very hard. It's almost impossible at times. The opportunity is to set goals that are so big. You don't even know if it's possible, but that's not the point. It's not about achieving the result. It's about being a compass for how you need to behave in the moment. So if I can set a big goal about the kind of business I want to build or the kind of husband I want to be or the kind of father I want to be, then it's about reverse engineering that and asking what's the habit I can form that makes doing that possible. Hold on one second. Oh, do not look. Speaking of which, my wife just violated my time block, but <laughs> Tell her it's okay. Now. It's okay. No, I, I think that's great, man. I, I, I don't think that there is enough focus around the, the actual habits that we, we have on, on such a regular basis that we don't even think about. We, we do these things just subconsciously, just breathing. That's one thing. However, from the way that you tie your shoes in the morning, you, you don't tie your shoes first. You put the shoes on. Which one do you put on first? I guarantee it's the same shoe every single time. Yeah. Unconscious habits. The opportunities yep. to become purposeful in your habits. Deciding your habits that will decide your future. Now, let me give you a real example. Because you asked me about the habits I formed so that I show up in the world this way. Mm-hmm. When I was starting this company with Gary and Jay, I knew I had to go on a 66-day challenge because Jay point blank said, the fastest way to get out of business with us is to not live the book. So what's the first 66-day challenge you're going to go on to form a habit? And when I looked at the seven circles, spirituality, physical health, personal life, key relationships, job, business, finances, I chose business because I had just moved my family from Southern California to Austin. And frankly, if I didn't succeed in business, we moved for nothing. So- I asked the question, what's the one thing I can do that would make growing an extraordinary business easier or unnecessary? Oh, that's a big question. Well, I searched for the answer. I didn't stop it. I don't know. That's unacceptable. I had to search for an answer. And I came up with, well, if I'm going to be the leader of this business, I have to become the type of person who actually thinks and acts in order of priority. Okay, well, what's one thing I can do to accomplish that? Well, in order to act in order of priority, I have to think in order of priority. Okay, well, let's go smaller. What's one thing I could do that would make doing that easier? Mm-hmm. Well, if I did a 411 every week, then I would always know my priorities. Well, for anybody who has ever done a 411 or attempted to do a 411 before, it's not a lead domino, it's what we call an 18th domino. An 18th domino can actually knock down the leaning tower of Pisa. And even though the leaning tower is actually leaning, if any one of us tried to knock it down, there's no way we could make it happen. So just starting at a 411 is too big for most people. So I'd ask the question, what's one thing I can do that would make doing a 411 easier or unnecessary? You ready for it? Check my 411 before I check my email. Hmm. I All I had to do was literally look at the piece of paper before I looked at my inbox. And guess what? At the beginning, the piece of paper was blank. And if I (laughs) stared at a blank 411, what do you think I did? Started to fill it out, man. I filled it out. You had to fill it out. And if I had filled out my 411 and I checked it, what would I see? Oh, you'd see all the priorities. I'd see my priorities. Yep. And I'd look at the weekly section and see the one that had a number one next to it. And if I launched my day by looking at that number one priority, what do you think I was more likely to do? At least something. Take action on it. Something toward it. Yeah. Something toward it. That's right. Because by doing that, it made me realize, huh, but what's on my digital calendar? Well, how about I just start scheduling leaving the first 30 minutes of the day open so that I don't have to check what's on my calendar. I'll know the times available. 
And here's what's happened, Brett. You fast forward 66 days, it became a habit. I no longer felt like I had to go in my inbox. And suddenly I started accomplishing the most important things every week. And they weren't random things. They were things that automatically put me on track for my goals for the month, that automatically put me on track for my goals for the year. And all of a sudden I am getting exponentially more done in way less time. And the craziest part was when I actually went home, I was at home Mm -hmm. because I had such an overwhelming sense of accomplishment because of the priorities I was accomplishing that I wasn't thinking about, oh, I was so busy. What what about this project that's still hanging over my Mm -hmm. head? No, the project got done. What did the what what did the change look like within your in your household with your wife? I mean my wife started liking my wife started liking me again. (laughs) (laughs) Well you know I jokingly say my wife changed. No, I changed. She would always be like, you're never here. And even when you're here, you're not here. Because if you followed me around with a camera, what you would have seen was me sitting on the couch with my my wife and my kids. But I was checking my email. Mm. Or I'd see something that's like, oh, I got to go get in the home office. And I'm not putting the kids down. To all of a sudden, I am present when I'm home. And I'm not perfect. Let's be clear. But I, re- I shut it down at five. Like that's how I live. Describe yourself seven years ago now, when, when you think back to, you know, before, before yeah. this all, all started meeting Jay, you went through a massive change, the 40% cut. Describe yourself. Highly ambitious, um, self-centered. I mean, I was a rock star sales guy. I was president's club, mm. shattered company records. Like I was, it was good. It, it was good. And um, when I say self-centered, I mean, I really put myself first. I mean, I can remember so many examples of being with my wife. We were dating at the time but like being on a date and checking my email and checking texts at the dinner table in the restaurant. And she would be like, can you put that away? I'm like, oh no, this is important. I, I put business before relationships. Been there. Was a businessman who was interested in forming a family, not a family man building a business. Right. Yep. The big difference. Yep. And now it's like, there are times when I feel this pull to check email because let's be clear, it only happens when I'm bored <laughs> and I have nothing else to do. Yeah. But you got some of the smartest people in the world that have designed email as a game. It's you get right. instant satisfaction by seeing yep. the number go down Slide for every over, email dopamine, right. That's right. That's right. And there are times where I'm at the dinner table now where it's like, Things are moving slow and I'm just like, oh, okay, let, me, let me do something. Let me, let me check Facebook or let me check my text message. Let me text Slack. Let me check my email because I just want to be productive. I just want to get something done. And now I actually go, is now the time that I should be training the world that I'm responsive to email? Yeah, that's great. Is now the time I should be training my team that I'm responsive to Slack? No. So therefore I don't do it. How do you handle that type of conflict internally being, being a leader in the position that you're in now that you've, you've acquired? I mean, you've worked your ass off to get to where you're at, man. It's, it's incredible. How do you handle that internal conflict being in the leader role that you're in? Uh, I think you just have to recognize. I know that when I signed up for this, I was signing up to become a face of the brand, Mm -hmm. a prominent one at that. And that, what I did would set the tone for others. So like when I onboard new, new people under our team, I'm, I'm pretty clear about we shut it down at five yeah. or whatever time that is going to be for you. And I'm pretty clear about when I have to call them later in the evening. Cause sometimes it happens that I'm first and foremost, acknowledging that this is an exception, not the rule. And that I'm sorry that I have to violate their family time to make this call is now an okay time. 
So it's just about being intentional about what shadow are you casting for people, Mm -hmm. whether those are my employees, whether it's our customers, whether it's people who follow the podcast, doesn't matter. I am leading by example. They're always watching, always watching everything that you're doing. How do you challenge yeah, yourself? Some weird dude actually sitting outside my window. Just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yours too? That's really weird. I'm looking at must be the same guy. How do you how do you challenge yourself, Jeff, to create a bigger one thing? This is this was a question from from one of the listeners of the show. And she is a good friend of mine. Her name's Cammy. He lives in Austin as well. So how do you, how do you challenge yourself to create a bigger one thing? Uh, I, what I'm realizing, and I've learned this from Gary, when you start to attract real talent into your world, the only way they stay is that they think they can have everything they want by being inside your world. And It doesn't mean that you have to grow your world. You have to be willing to give yourself permission to let your world get bigger. It's their job to actually grow your world. But the thing that you do need to have is your vision needs to eclipse theirs. The moment that the vision of somebody in my team is bigger than my own, the moment that their ambition exceeds mine, I'm at risk of losing them. Mm. So a lot of it is about thinking bigger asking bigger questions and searching for those answers. And the, one of the habits that I have formed is the habit of thinking time. I got this from Keith Cunningham, who's been on the podcast. Uh, it was called The Habit That Cost $100 Million to Learn and Why It Was Worth It. Because Keith literally lost over $100 million. He's made it all back and, and then some. But yeah. the one thing he learned was the importance of thinking time. Because there's nothing worse than running enthusiastically in the wrong direction. And as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as high achievers, we take fast action. And without, if you're not careful, you can, you can work your ass off climbing the ladder and realize it's, re, it's leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. So for me, a regular thing for me is sitting down with my one thing planner, with a pen and a really big question. And then I just journal the answers. And it allows me to get what's in my head onto paper and organize it in a way that all of a sudden when I'm communicating with my team, I can be like, here's where we're going. Boom, boom, boom. And it's super clear and super tight. And they're just like, damn, that's good. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's not because I woke up that way. It's because I invested the time to get the clarity. Where do you pull the questions from, man? Like where you said, like this big, like really big question that really causes you to need that time. You can't just answer a simple question, a big question in a simple period of time. Sure. A few things. One, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Look who my five are. So just being around Jay, just having proximity to Gary, having a relationship with somebody like a Keith Cunningham, which his book, The Road Less Stupid, has 794 deadly questions. You want big questions? There's 794 of them. <laughs> um, so part of it is the relationships and who I surround myself with, it rubs off. The other side is, remember, Gary said, the way you hit your goals are the habits you form and the relationships you form. I just touched on the relationships. I also formed a habit around this. I was very intentional because I looked at Gary and said, what habit did Gary form that made Gary Keller, Gary Keller? And at the time, what I saw was he has this amazing ability to attract and retain exceptionally talented people in this world. And I asked, okay, let's go smaller. What's one thing he did to accomplish that? Hmm. Well, he had to show them how they could have everything they want by being inside his world. Well, what's one thing he did to make that happen? He has really mastered asking Deadly questions, questions that are so big that they stop you dead in your tracks and you go, great question. Okay, well, what's one thing I can do to to master asking deadly questions? I have to know what a deadly question is. Well, what's one thing I can do to figure that out? I have to start asking questions and figure out which ones do people know the answers to and which ones stop them dead in their tracks. Okay, well, what's one thing I could do to make that? But anybody getting tired of seeing how small I went? But this is the point, keep going. The lead domino 
was, can I ask one question a day when I naturally would have told? I was the person that wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I always wanted to have the answer. And what I started to realize is that is not a way to build an extraordinary life. Hmm. So could I, there were, I had plenty of opportunity where I told people what to do. Could I just take one of them a day where instead of telling, I would ask a question and it yeah. could, the question could suck. doesn't matter. <laughs> and here's what happened. I started asking, I started figuring out which questions landed and which ones didn't. And then it started spilling over in my personal life. Like, do you have any kids by chance? No, just the, okay. the, the furry ones. Yeah, my, yeah, my daughter ones. was five at the time and she is wicked driven and ambitious and stubborn. And <laughs> going to bed, getting her to go to bed every night was like World War III. And I remember about to snap <laughs> one night and instead of snapping, it was like, it hit me. It was like, Jeff, ask a question. And I looked at her and I said, Daphne, how are you feeling right now? And she looked at me and she said, tired. I went, well, honey, by the way, that was my lead domino. Earn my X for the day on my 60, 60 challenge calendar. <laughs> that, just that. But it got me up to then say, or ask, well, what's one thing you could do so you wouldn't be tired anymore? And she looked at me and she said, I could go to bed. And I went, honey, <laughs> what a great idea. And she went, okay, daddy, good night. And she marched her ass upstairs and put herself to bed. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's all it takes, Jeff. That, that was it. Is their idea. Yeah. So here's the thing. I surrounded myself with people who asked amazing questions and I, I studied them. I modeled them. And then I went on a 66 day challenge to form the habit of asking when I naturally would have told. And if you've followed the One Thing podcast for the last two years, you will literally be able to watch how the quality of my questions have gotten deadly because I've strengthened that muscle. I've formed that habit. So now for me to sit down with a journal and to ask a big question, ain't no thing. That's not the hard part. The hard part is searching for the answers. So let me make this really tactical. If you don't know the questions to ask yourself, then your first thinking time block is to identify the questions you can ask yourself. <laughs> That's a good question to ask. What are the questions I should be asking? Well, isn't that a big question? <laughs> and, if you, and if you need some questions to get you started, um, I would ask the question, what does extraordinary look like someday from now? That's great. And you can pick any area of your life and really journal it. You can ask the question, um, what assumptions am I making right now? That's a good one. That's um, so good. Yeah. Yeah, you can start with those two. I love it, man. Uh, great, great idea. So what what would you say? We'll kind of wrap up with this. I've got two two final ones for you, Jeff. But if you could only ask one, which would it be? Great question. If I were to only ask you one, that's, he, See? Got me. he got me, everyone. He freaking But got did you me. hear the great question? Like a big question doesn't have to be this like long, big worded question that when you ask it, the heavens open up from above yeah. and the doves fly. That's not it. It can be simple, but you went, hmm, but great question. But wouldn't it be awesome? The doves go everywhere. Every time you ask a question, you got well, like- Well, then I would ask what's one thing you could do to make that happen, but that's a different show. <laughs> so you started the conversation talking about that that one, the big one thing was your top five. Mm -hmm. You wanted to elevate your top five. What are you doing to increase and top grade that right now? It's, it's kind of interesting. And this is the pulling the curtain back. Like the, it's really easy to put people up on a pedestal when you hear them on a podcast or you see them on a course or on a stage, but everybody's human. Um, the very thing that got me into business with Gary and Jay is the thing I stopped doing the moment I got into business with them because I invested all of my time saying yes to people regard without any expectation in return. But the moment I started this company, I started focusing on the things that mattered. And that was one of the things that ultimately slipped away. And you fast forward five years, I have not actually maintained the relationships or been as purposeful as I could have been. It's why I just hired a vice president of operations. I literally just hired somebody to step in to run the business. Now freeing me up, to do four things, cast a vision, drive revenue, be an ambassador for the brand, and four, 
invest in relationships. I love that. That be with talent, strategic partners, doesn't matter, but I have rewritten my job description based on the things that I am uniquely gifted for that bring the most value to the business. That's fantastic. That's a great answer. Yeah. Great answer. So it's not like I'm this perfect networker where I always have time blocks. I'm sitting down with people and I'm finding out how I can bring value to them like that. That slipped the last five years because I needed to go out of balance on that to build this business. And now that we've built the business, I've earned the right to hire a high level executive who's stepping in to run the business and freeing me up to, to grow it. That's fantastic. All right. I told you it was only one question, but here's the final. But one. see, we knocked that one down. Now we've earned the right to address the second one. <laughs> see, I love how this works with you. This that's is right. Perfect, but you asked an order of priority and that's what matters. So for, for anybody that's listening right now, Jeff, who may be challenged in, in the realm of setting goals or setting themselves up for success, how does someone need to go about doing this for themselves? What is the first domino for them for 2021 to take it all back for themselves, to make the big impact that they need? In terms of goals? To have a better year, have a better week, have a better day, have a better outlook. Clarity. And notice there was zero hesitation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't achieve what they want to achieve because first they're not actually clear what they want to achieve. If I sat down with the average person and said, tell me what you want to accomplish next year, they'd have to think about it. Versus if you asked me, like I would be able to rattle off for you the top priorities I have for my life personally next year in terms of the number of dates I want to do with my wife, the number of experiences I want to share with my kids, the number of books that I want to read to invest in myself. And I can tell you exactly what the goals are for our business from the team we need to build, the technology we need to build, the systems we need to create, and how we need to drive growth. Did you see how freaking fast that was? That's good. It is clear to me what we need to be doing. And the moment I'm clear on what we should be saying yes to, it suddenly makes saying no to other things easier. Because when a new opportunity pops up, I have to go, great. So which is more important, this or date nights with my wife? Mm-hmm. Dates with my wife. Okay, is it more important than dates with my kids? Nope. Is it more important than me knocking out my personal development goals through books? Nope. So when I invest my Time, I invest in order of priority. Time blocked for my wife first. Time blocked for my kids second. Time blocked for myself third. And there's only so many hours a day available for my relationships and myself. So everything else takes a back seat. You start to see it? That's it's great, man. And what's the one thing you can do to get clear about what you want to accomplish? How about when this podcast ends, open up your digital calendar and block five minutes for you to ask, what are my goals for next year? And if you just thought to yourself, I'm not going to get clarity on my goals for five minutes, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is that if you sit down for five minutes and you start searching for that answer, do you think the odds are you might schedule more time to keep doing the work? Oh, yeah. Versus if I said, sit down for two full days and go through a full-blown goal-setting retreat so that you have a clear vision for your life someday from now, five years from now, one year from now, you set your business plan in place, you fill out your 411 and you time block your calendar. That's too big. But you can get there and it starts with five minutes. Sometimes when you're answering these questions, I'm like, man, it's Jeff. I just need Jeff's voice in my head all the time, I think. But the best it's, way you guys can actually go about like doing It's almost like it's on a podcast every I know. Week, I was, <laughs> was, was going to plug you, man. Like The best way to do that is just go ahead and listen to the hundreds of episodes that Jeff has on the One Thing Podcast, everyone. So you can check them out. It's on Apple, Spotify, all the best podcast streaming platforms, whatever you can find out there. Jeff, this was awesome, man. Really my appreciate pleasure. it. Jeff's uh, gracious enough and has uh, contributed some content to the BTL toolbox. But in order for everybody to access the content that's in there, Jeff, what is the charity uh, nonprofit that you would like us to help support? 
Yeah. Front row foundation. So a good buddy of mine, John Vroman, who's uh, one of the most exceptional humans I've ever met. He, he started this foundation and they focus on supporting kids who have cancer with putting them in the front row of their favorite event or experience. And so um, when you donate to that cause, you are literally helping a kid who's not in great shape, just have an experience that, that, truly makes an incredible impact in their life. He's such, he's an incredible influencer, incredible leader. And that's an incredible foundation as well. That's, that goes a long way. That's good stuff, man. Can I say, can I say something else, Brett? Yes. There's been a theme with me. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It doesn't have to be physical time. It doesn't have to be like you're sitting down for them with coffee for, for coffee or that you're on Zoom one-on-one with them. Before I actually had mentors, my mentors were the podcasts that I listened to. They were the audiobooks that I listened to. And Jay and I, when we facilitated our goal setting retreat this year for our community, we talked about this. Like, who are your wealth determiners? Who are the people that are determining wealth for you? And if you don't have employees that are literally building your wealth, your wealth determiners could be the people that are influencing your mindset. So if, if the stuff that we have talked about today is striking a chord with you, then I would ask the question, how do you prioritize investing in this type of content? It's not just about what podcast just dropped or what's the audiobook of the moment that seems most interesting to me. What are your goals? And based on that, how are you going to invest in your education? Like, I'll be real specific. I sat down this in, going into this year. She asked me how many books I was going to read. And I said, 12. And he said, well, the average millionaire reads 24. And I said, I meant 24. <laughs> and he said, well, I know you're not the type of person who just wants to pick books entrepreneurially. I know you want to be purposeful. So what are the categories of your life that you need to invest in the most? And I went, hmm, Great question. <laughs> and when I thought about it, I realized I want to I want to invest in books that will sharpen me as a husband and father. That's one category. I want to invest in books that will sharpen my skill set as a marketer. I want to invest in books that will make me better at living the one thing. And then I want to invest in books that will sharpen me as a leader. I identified four categories. And then I asked, what are the best books in the world in those categories? And I made a list. So when I wrap up a book, I don't just go, what book am I reading next? Or what podcast episode should I listen to? I've got a plan. You've got to have a plan. Relationship with your goals, my friend. Relationship with your goals. That's so good. Jeff, this was incredible, extremely insightful and helpful for myself. And I'm sure if I'm, if I'm getting this much out of it and two pages worth of notes, I hope everybody else has been taking some notes, whether they're physically or mentally and can always circle back to continue to, to learn from you, man. So thank you for, for coming on. This is, this is fantastic. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me.